Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode. This is a very special episode. I'm joined by Brad Hightower from Hightower Clinical. And Brad, first, I didn't wear your shoes today, Brad. I should have remembered to put on your shoes. I've, I've been, Brad blessed me with the Air <laughs> Hightowers. I wear them like almost every week. They're amazing. They're my daily grinding shoe. When I'm out there pre-screening or even screening, so far I'm 0 for 2 on my first site, uh, on my new site, my first two screenings, 0 for 2 screen failures, both for the same reason too. So i uh, starting to get a little smarter about pre-screening here. But thank you, Brad, for coming on. Thank you for the shoes. You, you kind of made a viral post yesterday on LinkedIn, at least viral by our industry standards. You've got 27 comments since then. Oh, this was four days ago. Why am I thinking yesterday? I only saw it yesterday. Time, time flies. Yeah, yeah, time flies. I think the algorithm showed it to me yesterday, but I see here it was four days ago. So I'm going to read it, and then we're going to get into it and kind of get, I don't know, some takes you know, from site owners, some practical site owners. Brad likes to say that he's the low-tech version of decentralized clinical trials. I kind of agree with him. Like that's kind of what we're doing in a way. Um, and Brad articulated it fairly well when he, when he coined that term. So if you don't mind, Brad, I'm going to use that as well in the future. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so here's Brad's post. Clinical research is changing. I thought, uh, let me share the screen. So let me share because uh, this is going to, you guys need to see this. And hopefully... I don't have private stuff on here. All right. Kalinka research is changing. I once thought sites would be the most affected by the changes, but I'm starting to believe the CROs will face the biggest challenges. 
I agree, Brad. Like we came to the same conclusion around the same time. And initially when, when this whole concept, first it was virtual trials, right? And then I guess that sounded too weird. So they made it decentralized clinical trials, which actually sounds more weird uh, and more vague even than what virtual trials is. Initially, when that came out, we thought, okay, well, you know, they're trying to get rid of the sites. And I think that was the, at least part of the intention at that time, no matter what they tell you guys, if, if you can reduce, eliminate the middleman, all right, if you think about clinical research as it actually is, I'm going to share the screen. In a bit. If you think about clinical research as it really is, it's sponsor making a study and patients enroll in the study and generate data, all right? Who's the middleman in that mix? It's CROs and sites. Which of those middlemen would sponsor want to get rid of? Well, both. Which one is more likely that they can eventually get rid of with technology? Brad and I both seem to think it's CRO. Uh, and, and we'll get back to your post, but you want to expand on that a little bit? Because I was fearful of this too as a site owner. Yeah, well, and that's just it. I mean, I think it's still, I've been focused a lot on, you know, how sites will be affected by the rise of DCT, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't think that's clear yet, but the more I, I kind of dove in and talked to people in the DCT space, I mean, it occurred to me that, I mean, a lot of these DCT companies would take on, uh, either take on or start to provide an alternative for what the CROs do at the site level, right? I mean, uh, you know, if you, are digitizing and have all this data that can be easily accessed remotely in one platform. Do I need a CRA on site every six weeks? Not really. No. Uh, and then if you add that in with what's happening in the site level, which I'm sure you've seen so much consolidation, private equity, you know, buying up research sites and site networks. I mean, pretty soon a sponsor can go to, you know, one point of contact and potentially onload 10 or 20 sites. Well, then you don't need a CRO doing 50 site visits like they like to do. Uh, so it just occurred to me, like, you know, maybe the role of the CRO will become less important, at least at the site level. And, you know, I'll caveat all that by saying that I don't work for a CRA, never worked for a CRA, uh, I'm sure, or a CRO rather, sorry. Uh, I know there's a lot more that goes on in the background, but from the site level, it just seems like, you know, again, DCT companies are now partnering more with sites and site networks as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it all just kind of comes together to actually, if anything, looks like it might start to sort of infringe on the the, the CROs. And again, I'm interested to hear what you're what you're seeing or if that kind of lines up. Yeah, it does. And um, and we'll get back to the post because I think it was good, and maybe we'll see some comments in there as well. You had 27 comments as of the time I saw that. Um, the the CRO, so I own a very small CRO. We do some investigator-initiated trials. We're currently bidding for a bigger trial. It's a phase one study. Um, and we can handle that because it's only one site. So th those are easier for us as a CRO. But there, there's a lot besides managing the site that goes into CRO, especially when you're full service, there's, there's biostats, they're sourcing the vendors. We talked to another potential sponsor the other day. They didn't even know 
that the FDA was in charge of emergency use authorization. Like they know nothing. They just want to do studies. So you're kind of holding their hand in a way. You're like more like a consultant than anything else. So there's data safety monitoring board. There's medical writers. A lot of times these sponsors, they don't want to write the protocol. They want to outsource that. They have biostats. They have EDC, all the vendors, all the data management that goes into it. So it's a lot more than the sites. Sure. But I think those things can be easily outsourced by pharma as well. I think the one, like the core competency that CROs had and still have is site influence, right? Like if you choose us, our sites respect us. So they're going to, they're going to prioritize your study because we, that's basically the pitch. And I think that if sponsors can figure out a way with technology to kind of take over that, that aspect of, of a site influence, I mean, what's better than, than influencing sites other than being like the trusted source for where the patients are, are going. And so you know, that's, that, that's a site as well. So anyways, as sites and site networks continue to consolidate, many sites can be identified and onboarded with less work. This is true. As DCT companies build more comprehensive solutions, there will be less of a need for cobbling together individual vendors and more data can be reviewed and monitored remotely. As sites and DCT companies begin to collaborate more, participants will be added more quickly and efficiently with less need for middlemen. See, that's what that's what you, uh, you said as well. So what does the future hold? Will CROs have to buy out DCT companies as they start to infringe on their market share? Am I way off base on both? Uh, or will both continue to coexist peacefully? So yeah, you're not way off base. And the community kind of had interesting things to add too. But what what were your biggest takeaways from the comments you got? And, and were you expecting this many comments when you wrote this post? No, not really. I mean, I think it was a fairly mixed bag. And again, I think you, when you consider the source of the risk, who's responding, it's pretty clear, right? I mean, certainly a lot of people at the CRO level are like, no, CROs aren't going anywhere. They, if anything, they may need, you know, may be more needed uh, as, as all these things come together. Uh, but then you see people at the site level who do, who do seem to agree. So yeah, I think it's still fairly mixed. And but I wouldn't be surprised to at least see some of these guys get bought out, right? I mean, there's so many, there's so many DCT companies competing. I mean, I can't imagine how they're all going to coexist. It's just, it's too much. And you had, you had another post as I get to some of the comments. I got a good one actually here that I made me think the day I was reading that post. And I didn't comment. I'm sorry, Brad. I didn't help the algorithm. I was just busy <laughs> reading good. the comments. I had nothing interesting to add here. I wanted to add the podcast to it. Um, but you had another post a couple of weeks ago. What is decentralized trials? Like you were trying to actually get a definition from people in the know. Like, what does that actually mean? And 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 who came up with that with that term? So from the people you've discussed this with the key opinion leaders in this space, what, what conclusion have you come to as far as what DCT actually means? I don't know. Everything and nothing <laughs> at the same time. So I, I have a little bit of a take issue with the using the term decentralized trials because it's not, if anything, isn't it more centralized because you're bringing in more things into one place. So you're actually centralizing more of the processes, it, it feels like. But 
uh, you know, again, everything from uh, using ePro to going direct to patient, everything kind of within that spectrum seems to qualify as decentralized trial. So again, I think it depends on who you're talking to and, and what their, you know, what their particular offering is as to whether or not they'll, they call themselves decentralized, but it's really ultimately, I feel like it's more about providing some optionality to the, to the patients. Right. I mean, I feel like that's really what people are trying to do and maybe patient centricity doesn't sound sexy anymore. So they wanted like a fancier word for it, but I mean, ultimately that's, that's what it really feels like is making it easier on the the patient uh, to participate in the trial. Yeah. So I have a study. It's relatively simple, but there's going to be a one visit that requires multiple PK draws during a 24 hour period. So some of those draws are either going to be very early in the morning and, or, and, or very late at night for the patient on the same day or in the same 24 hour period. And I brought it up to the sponsor and I actually use the term patient centricity. I said, can we make our process for this more patient centric by going to the patient's homes for these inconvenient hours? And for them to answer me this question took like a week of debate among who knows who in an ivory tower somewhere. <laughs> and they came back and said, yes, we think we don't, we don't think that'll be a problem. And that's just for a simple PK draw. Right. Now, when you talk about all these other assessments for a study to give the patient the option of doing that, it kind of requires the sponsor to be on board with that. And I don't know if sponsors are ready because I don't think they trust the technology yet. So I think we're in this weird period where like the idea is ahead of the capability of the technology. Well, at least ahead of the acceptance of it. I mean, again, we just don't, I tell people this, but like, I don't, I didn't see the industry change that much throughout even the COVID a little bit here and there with the, you know, plugging in maybe the option for home health uh, checks and things like that. But sponsors still wanted to come on site. Uh, You know, uh, as soon as they were able to stop doing remote monitoring, they did. Uh, So (laughs) why do you think that is? uh, Why do I think it is? I'm sure it has something to do with because they can bill more for it. Really? I I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I could, I could be wrong, but it's also, I get it, right? Like, it's hard to know. Look, you only get what the site will send you. <laughs> right. So if you're on site, it's kind of easier to suss out what's missing. Right. And I have to think if you're a CRA and that's your your job, you don't want to come in, you know, two years later on site and realize how screwed up everything <laughs> is because you weren't there to see it. Right? That would have been and, so that I have a story. So Thankfully, I don't monitor anymore. And now that I have this, the site, like the study that where I was contracting on as a CRA. So I was monitoring during COVID, pre-COVID and during COVID. And my site switched me to remote monitoring. Um, it wasn't the sponsor, it was the site. It was a big academic medical center. And they're mm-hmm. like, we don't, I think they even still don't allow monitors back in now. It's in San Francisco. So it's like the last place where monitors are going to ever be allowed to set, set foot in again. But uh <laughs> I remember the site doesn't use e-source. So this is what I'm saying What the technology hasn't caught up or the adoption of the technology maybe. Because if the site used like a real e-source, I think it would be easier maybe to monitor. But what the site was doing was scanning their source docs. And like you said, 
into something like a Dropbox. And like you said, it's very convenient if the site's not ready for you to monitor something to scan you the wrong thing, whether inadvertently or just, hey, let's see if they're ever going to know or, <laughs> hey, oops, I just forgot. And uh, you know what? Because of COVID, I'm not even at the site, so I can't get it to you for your visit. Put it on your action item for next visit. And the action item kept piling up. Now, luckily, they switched me. They had another CRA come in. Bless her heart. She's going to have to do it. That closeout visit is going to be messy. I told her that during the transition visit already. I said, that closeout is going to be messy. Try to get into the site. Try to get physically on the site before your closeout visit. So I think I think it's more than just billing You know, for the CRO. I think they know that they get better site compliance if somebody's actually there. That's my thoughts. Well, and even as a site, as much as I hate to say it, I almost prefer the on-site visit. Hmm. They're just, they're there. We can get it all done. We're all on the same page. Uh, there's no ambiguity. They know that I've, they've seen everything there is to see. I can rest assured everything's as clean as it needs to be. Hmm. Uh, and, and frankly, it's a pain in the ass to scan a crap load of paperwork if, if you're not using e-source as well. And like, I mean, there's no standard, right? Some have paper, some don't. Yeah. Uh, Everyone's source is different depending on, you know, the study. So again, I think it's just easier again, even though that may not be the, the future we're promised where everything is remote. Have you switched to e-source? No, not, I haven't. And, you know, we work with so many different investigators with different, you know, uh, preferences. It's hard to standardize and, now, as much as I want to, I'm I'm just as guilty as not adopting the technology that you know I think would help. Uh, just because it's it's frankly a it's hard it's hard to think about when you know I've got 30 different doctors. Someone won't even check their email. Uh, right? How am I going to get them to you know get an email that they need to sign off on eSource and to do it reliably? Yeah, I think that's a good. So it's tough to switch. I, the only re, we use eSource because we started from zero studies with eSource, and now we have three. It's easier. It's a little bit easier to, to start off using a platform rather than changing, even if it's on a new study. But like your staff gets used to, so are your PIs. And then who wants to change that whole process? And it's not like we're incentivized to be more efficient as sites. That's either, right. right. That's the other part of it. Is if. If the sponsor, you know, it costs time and money to make e-source. I mean, if I knew the sponsor was going to pay for it, then that's another thing. Or if it dramatically made my life easier, if they're still going to come on site and look at stuff, then why am I going to do it? <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think you're right. The incentive isn't quite there yet, I think, for the size. i tell you one benefit. Um, I have a remote. We have an intern from the CRC Academy who's still interning because she's finishing the class. But as soon as she finishes, we'll hire her part-time. And she her job is create the e-source, all the templates, manage the e-reg. So I'll get the physical papers. I'll st- I still have to scan the reg, send it to her. She files it all in the e-reg. And then um, because it is e-source, she's entering that in the EDC. So it's one less thing I have to do by having e-source. I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, for a part time, I would have to hire someone in house to do it. And right now, I'm having a hard time finding people in Yuma right. to do research. So, yeah, that's I one think benefit. If, if you do want to centralize some 
aspects, then yes, it's perfect. You're right. Cause you could have, you know, I know you've talked about the idea of uh, being a generalist versus, you know, a specialist, but if you do want to specialize your staff mm-hmm. and as you scale, I think it makes more sense to do that. Right. Uh, Cause then you've just got your coordinators coordinating, collecting data, anybody, anywhere you're right. Could, could enter that and in data into the EDC. You can, anyone can quality check it from wherever they are. So uh, yeah, I think especially as you grow, it does it does create some some value for you as a as a site owner. It has some value. Also, like answering queries, I don't need to be at the site to do it. You know, I could log into my e-source from anywhere. Last night, I answered a query at one in the morning. I'm not at the site. I'm at my house. Right. So I got the source right there. Boom! Answer yeah, the query. It's over. Not every not every coordinator wants that. Okay. Yeah, not, <laughs> not every coordinator wants. So there is a downside to it too. You have to set new boundaries for your CRAs. So I'm, you know, I'm like a relatively nice dude. CRA asks for anything. Hey, can we have 24-7 access? Yes, you can. Well, I talked to a coordinator. I interviewed a coordinator the other day who uses Creo also. And she gave me a she gave me some advice. She said, do not give your monitors 24-7 access to your e-source because you're gonna basically have a monitoring visit every day. And I, that stuck with me. So now when the CRA is going to ask, I'm going to say, no, no, only on the day of your IMV will you get right. access. Because it could create, like you said, it could create more work. And that's not the purpose of using technology, at least for myself. No, but that's an interesting idea is to have like data, uh, you know, full monitoring in real time. I mean, if it were all in real time, would that be... Would that be a bad thing? Maybe it's not. One of the advantages, I I told her, I thought that would be a good thing because then the IMVs would kind of be pretty easy. But she said, yes, but there's many who abuse it, many CRAs who abuse it. Sure. Uh, so, And it's hard to tell initially who it is. So you kind of have to just say no. At least that's her strategy. I don't know. I'm going to play it by ear with my series. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a... I mean, if you become... A, more experienced research coordinator though that's a skill you learn right it's not to open more cans of worms <laughs> to keep keep things as to the point and you know sort of narrow as you can because yeah i mean i get that you don't want to you don't, don't want to create more problems where there didn't need to be any so one of the comments somebody director of research at a clinic interestingly enough i think the best takes on this were people from clinics so sites you are spot on as usual, Brad. Cineos, Ikevia, PPD, and Icon just recently released their quarter, their Q4 2021 and end of year earnings to shareholders. I encourage you to look at those numbers and the quotes from the executives. They are reporting record-breaking growth and touting their successes. The true question, do you think this record CRO growth will continue for them as DCT progresses? What happens when clinical research requires less managing and more execution? I believe there will be a place for all parties in the future, although we may have to blow apart our resource barriers and start from scratch to optimize technology to transfer to patients. So I got to read those Q4 or, um, earnings. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't taken a look yet. I wonder how much you know, has been propped up by, by COVID trials you know, over the last couple of years. I don't I've talked to people who think that they're very successful site uh owners or uh very successful research because they happen to do really well on these uh these COVID trials, but they've never 
never done in another trial of any yeah. kind, right? So that's kind of created an interesting dynamic too. Plus, it's probably record like this guy's uh, when they're referring to shattering uh, records, right, um, or whatever record-breaking growth. All right, anybody who is trying to get a job in the industry knows that the industry has never been more forgiving. There's just the supply and demand so out of whack. Like you said, almost anybody who's just near this industry is going to benefit. So the CROs obviously are part of the industry. They probably are the major part of the industry as far as research is concerned. Um, So, yeah, I think that a lot of that is subsidized by COVID and similar studies or just the, the overwhelming uh, lack of, of uh, qualified sites and employees in the industry. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and that, that makes sense. Again, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing people jump. I'm, I'm seeing DCT companies poach employees from other DCT companies at this point. So there's, (laughs) there's just a crazy amount of, of opportunity out there. There's, there's no question about that. It's yeah. It's interesting times. You think the line is blurred between uh, vendors and sites, maybe, or could be continue to be blurred? So I hope so, honestly, in some ways, um, because a lot of this breeds the question of like who decides like what technology gets used or brought to a trial. Just like you saying, can we go to you know a patient's house and draw their blood? Right. So you know, a, a lot of studies come to you with a mobile nursing offering well i don't want to use your mobile nurse i want to do it as a site well you've you know taken over the role i guess as their vendor would right and it extends beyond that uh you know there's all kinds of different solutions coming out now that you know sites could sort of offer in lieu of the vendor offering it i don't think that's clear how that's all going to shake out mm-hmm. uh and you know again as, as sites grow and uh consolidate more they'll just have that much more reach right they'll they'll be able to reach that many more more patients to where potentially they could that line could blur i mean i think that's certainly possible you know i'd love to be able to go go mobile as a site i think that'd be awesome yeah and 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 the argument is it's all to benefit the patients which i don't think anyone can argue um the the most compelling cases i've at least on paper have heard are when you can bring like a trusted group of clinicians onto a study without having them actually be investigators. So in, in essence, they're a vendor for the site. And then the site gives a percentage of their budget to those vendors because they're doing the assessments. So at what point do sites say, well, doesn't make sense for me because I'm giving like almost half of my budget to these vendors. It's better. We just go do another study where we get a hundred percent of that budget. So I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, because we're so early in this, like we never had these kind of discussions even a few years ago. Well, I think that's it. I mean, I think there's a path, but maybe the one being laid out right now, doesn't, isn't the best. doesn't make sense exactly. Uh, because Again, it, it's hard even for me. I like to think that I'm like forward thinking, but like I see some of these things being proposed. And I'm like, you can't do that. I know that like, you know, as well as I do, 
we got our asses hand to do us by CRAs, like over the smallest things. Well, now you want to add and do things away from the site without GCP training, putting on a 1572, you want to ship drug to the patient whenever I had to, I had to take the temperature every single day for that drug and report it. But now we can just ship drug wherever it can be stored. Again, the, changing the way that we we think about it. I mean, I'm curious how much we're going to have to sort of just let go <laughs> of some of the way we've done things or or how it will fit into the current scheme, you know, because it's not clear that it will. Yeah, and definitely paradigm shattering because it's always been, you know, for the last 30 years, I think even somebody commented, you know, sponsor, CRO, site. We're just used to that rigid, linear you know, sponsors pays for everything. CRO manages everything. Site just follows the protocol and enrolls the patient. That might be changing a little. Now it's more zigzag. You know, sponsor does this, but then the CRO does this, or maybe there's just a vendor instead of the site. So it's not linear anymore. And I don't know if that's going to actually, I mean, it, it's starting to happen and it's running in parallel with the traditional studies. Because if you talk to most sites, they're going to tell you most of the studies they have are tradition there's nothing decentralized about them right right no that's true and that's yeah i I don't see a whole lot of decentralization or whatever however you want to say it i mean as much as you would think with all the as many times it's plastered on linkedin about how dcts are the uh you know cure to all of our problems i mean uh, i don't i don't see a lot of it being implemented yet yeah i would say uh, there was a study this was like in 2015 the industry did, I think it was um, the group that's affiliated with Center Watch. There's a, a Tufts University out in Boston. They mm. did a study. I don't know the actual numbers, but in 2015, the majority of clinical research budgets went to CROs. That, made, that makes sense, right? They predicted back, this was 2015. They didn't know anything about COVID. They predicted that by 2030, the majority of clinical research budgets going to go to vendors. So the, somebody saw the writing on the wall early. This is some think think tank. All they do is think about these things. Uh, they think about it much more than you and I, Brad. We're too busy doing to think. Right. But this has been a trend. So like we're in the middle of it now. If, if the expectation is 2030, we're only eight years away from that. Yeah, no, that, that's true. And look, the, I mean, these DCT companies, these vendors have a lot of money. They, they've got a lot of investment, so it'll be curious to see, but, you know, in the meantime, I mean, I'm still pretty much operating on rave, right? Like <laughs> we're not using a lot of these far out vendors, uh, quite yet. So, uh, I, no, I agree with that though. I think it will, I think it'll, it'll shift towards, towards the vendors, but you know, if I'm a smart DCT vendor, why wouldn't you start trying to eat up as much of that CRO role as you can? Yeah. It- it's almost as bad as the uh, virtual trial, like the the fake virtual trial that we saw 2019. I think COVID put an end to that, but where these companies would go in, they'd be backed by big CRO. They would go off the record. They were backed by them. They would go into doctor's offices and say, hey, you want to be part of a study? The doctor would say, all right, uh, what do I got to do? All you got to do is give us access to your database in perpetuity. We're going to run retroactive, <laughs> prospective study, all kinds of trials. So that's a virtual trial. What they're doing, they're just mining the patients, right? So that they can see, okay, if this site 
if we're running an indication for XYZ, we already know these patients are here. It may not be that doctor doing it, but we have access to them. We can talk to that doctor and then we can put a site that's experienced next to them and they can get the patient flow that way. I think that was the rationale for that. And we're, we're not seeing that anymore. We're talking now about just going straight to the patients to, uh, directly, sort of bypassing these trusted providers. But I, I don't know where the patients are going to come from because the sponsors, uh, you have to establish some kind of trust with, with the patients. And no one's been able to answer that question for me. Yeah, it's not. I mean, look, have you, you guys do Facebook advertising? You ever take those calls? Yeah, we do. We do Facebook ads. Yeah. I mean, how successful is your hit rate with, uh, with just advertising? It's not, my no, ours horrible. isn't great. It's, yeah, it's terrible. Horrible. Yeah. So if you're not, if you're not, you know, again, connected in with a, a, a physician or a clinic or a site, like, I just, I don't know, maybe they're better marketers than I could ever dream of being, but uh, I don't see how you're going to do that without, you know, being ridiculously inefficient. So maybe because interest rates are so low, venture capital money needs to go somewhere. Uh, they're going into these things, but when rates go up, these VCs start getting more practical about where their where their money's going. That's yeah, my that, that's that, my that guess. That kind of makes sense. That kind of makes sense. Actually, I, didn't, I never thought about that. I mean, although if you're, you know, if you look at the market from the outside and you see the money that IQVIA or Cineos or whoever is making, and then you see that like what's really new from the outside nothing really not in a while i mean it makes sense as a as some an industry to target i mean i feel like it is probably rife for innovation i mean look at what we do it's if you're at a site at least you can see <laughs> the terrible inefficiencies that that happen at you know these big cro's so uh, it's not surprising that somebody thinks they can do it do these things better <laughs> yeah i mean you got a bunch of comments on this post so i'm going to put a link to Brad's uh, LinkedIn profile underneath this video. If you are listening, thank you so much. Also go check out Brad's podcast, Note to File podcast, the the best named clinical research podcast ever. <laughs> that was like genius. Did that come to you like instantly or you have to just, really think about that one? Just that, that came pretty naturally. So I, I, if nothing else, I got that going for me is the, the <laughs> clever name. It's not easy to... Uh, to find if you're, you know, searching, uh, it doesn't come up. It's not like a clinical research podcast. I, I should have kept it simpler, probably. <laughs> no, that's a good, everybody needs to go listen. As we wrap up, Brad, enough about DCT now. Um, we'll have more uh, on that. What What is your day like, your day-to-day um, with, with Hightower Clinical? Are you still coordinating? Um, is your role more to find new doctors, studies? Like, what do you do? Like, what's a day like for you? Like a typical day for Brad? Yeah, I mean, even after this time, I'm, I'm doing some coordinating. Uh, I like to go out and talk to physicians. Uh, that's what I really like to do. That's what I'm, I try to do, you know, more of. Um, but as a, you know, business owner, I mean, I still, you know, have to make sure I'm take care of payroll and do all the administrative side of the business as well. But it's a little bit of everything. I've got two SIVs this week. Mm. I'm going to draw blood on a patient. Uh, I've got a, oh, I'm you're drawing blood. And, That's good. Yeah. I still even draw blood. Uh, I'm going to uh, help out at a monitor visit. Um, 
And then I'm going to fill out some feasibility questionnaires and sign a CDA and a pretty much everything there is to do. I still have a hand in because that's what I love. That's what I love to do. You know, I, I love that about this industry is that, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It keeps things really exciting. I think we talked a little bit about this last time in our last podcast, but are you, are you pretty much still just in OKC or are you, do you have any sites outside of Oklahoma city? Not yet, but I'm, that should be changing here probably this year. Uh, I've got a few uh, opportunities and I, I think, I think if you were going to land, so I think we'll start to see some expansion into some other States. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So your coordinators, the ones in OKC, how how many approximately do you have? If you want to share, sure. do they drive? Do they work from home? Uh, how did how did you structure that whole thing? Yeah, I mean all of the above. So I, I've got uh, you know there's nine of us all together here in Oklahoma City, and I have a two kind of main offices as I as I view it. Uh, there's a hospital system that we're embedded within and we have a standalone office on the north side of Oklahoma City. So and then in between we've got you know five or six clinics that we're sort of embedded in to different degrees uh, depending on how much space we have. So look, I worked at research sites that all they care about is eight being there from eight to five. You know <laughs> that's not really my my thing. So I do give our coordinators a lot of leeway to handle things the way that they feel they need to be handled, whether that be a day of working at home or a day of being in the clinic. Hmm. We just have to be there uh, to make sure that we're there to see patients, support our PIs and, you know, keep enrolling these trials. So uh, I'd say it's, you know, I'm fairly, uh, wouldn't say hands off, but I'm not a micromanager. So I, I give them that, that ability to you know make that decision and, so far, so good. So far, I think you, just hearing you you describe the model a little bit, I think eSource would benefit you. It would just be probably the PI would be the toughest part. But as far as your staff are concerned and for you to like kind of manage, have oversight, you know, that's that's what I foresee doing. One of the things I wanted to ask you, I only have two sites here. I have I have one doctor, internal medicine. I have a dermatologist literally across the street. Um, one thing I've noticed, and it's just me, my nurse practitioner who's part-time, and then I have my wife who helps me out where we're, I'm interviewing my first employee, maybe tomorrow she's an MA. So hopefully she'll be like the first research assistant and then a coordinator. One thing I've noticed there, there wasn't a need for me to be in the office every day, but almost all the time good things happen when someone's in the office. I just randomly start getting patient referrals, you know, yeah. even though they have my number and I've told the providers, Hey, you find somebody, you text me. But when I'm there, they bring me a piece of paper. Say, hey, got the patient for you. I'm glad you're here. One of them even said that I'm glad I saw you. And I told her, well, thank you. But you know, you could text me too. It didn't yeah. register like out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, no, that's a hundred percent true. And I see, I saw that a lot at, when I worked in a hospital previously that we were away from the hospital through a, a sky bridge or whatever, but I would just walk down the hall and I can't tell you how many doctors would just see you. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, <laughs> I got, there's a couple of patients in my pocket. I'm like, I never would have seen those patients if you hadn't just happened to have seen me. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to encourage and sort of, uh, 
integrate that that check in, you know, with with your physicians. And you're right; it's never you know, it's not a bad idea to be present and be seen because you know, again, it, it goes a long way. I think I'm gonna have that because like the work from home thing's intriguing to me for the employee, but I kind of want them at the office just be, just for that, you know, just for and so I can just check in randomly and make sure they're there, but really it's because i'm not gonna go to someone's house and do that are you working <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but if i stop yeah. by the office unannounced hey you better be there uh, that's true and, and I, th- I think for us too we've got you know multiple people usually so someone's in the office because the doctor is going to go they know they know the people they know them all so as long as they can hand something to someone and it can get to the right person but yeah. especially in the beginning or if you've just got a uh, you know, a smaller integrated site where maybe you're not there every day. I mean, you're right, but look, we balance. I'm sure you're not unlike me. It's, it can be tricky to figure out how much staffing you need at any given time because you know, you're either it's, this always feels very feast or famine to me. Uh, it's like you're either knocking out of the park and you need three more employees or you're just waiting around being like, well, when's the next things start you know we we're, we got too many people with nothing to do right now yeah i think we're in this in the former for a while you know knocking them out of the park at least the next five years i mean unless like world war three happens and i don't know how that maybe that's another podcast for how war would affect <laughs> yeah, clinic right research. right well brad that's awesome man always good to talk to you always good to follow you on linkedin i'm like I said, the algorithm showed me your post yesterday, even though it was four days ago, because it started getting likes, comments. So it's LinkedIn showed <laughs> right. me, Dan, you got to see this. Check it out, Dan. This is what Brad <laughs> said. Uh, so everybody follow Brad underneath. Note to file podcast. Uh, you get note to file YouTube or is it just podcast? Uh, there's a YouTube, but it's, okay. it's just audio. Okay. So note to file podcast, YouTube everywhere. Uh, LinkedIn profile underneath. Thank you very much, Brad. Anything else you want to say? Anything that we didn't discuss or you really want to get off your chest right now? Uh, no, I think I've, uh, I think I got it all out there. I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you, Brad. We'll catch you guys later. And everybody go connect with Brad right now. Take care, Guru Nation. Bye-bye.